I'm Arya Schwartz, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. We are back with WNBA stocks, where Owen Pence and myself check the market in the WNBA. Like our show, please consider joining our Patreon community, patreon.com backslash windsider. For less than a cup of coffee a month, you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the W. And don't forget to see our amazing staff's written content over at windsider.com. That's windsider.com. Are you looking to get tickets for the upcoming, or I guess the current WNBA season? Thanks to our sponsor, TickPick, you don't have to worry. The original no-fee ticketing site and official ticketing partner of the WNBA champion, Chicago Sky. Use the link T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K dot com backslash Winsider. That's TickPick.com backslash Winsider for all your upcoming ticket purchases for the WNBA, NFL, NBA, or any other event in your local market. Owen, we're back with WNBA stocks where we check the pulse on the WNBA market where the teams, who's going up, who's going down. Uh, we also got to do our stock watch, which has become a fan favorite. I know both you and I are uh, getting a little bit of the the allergy bug right now. So listeners, excuse our weird noise voices or nasally voices or whatever it is. Um, but you know what? Stocks don't stop because you got a runny nose. Um, how you doing? And should we start with up or down this week? I, I say I'm, you know, I'm doing well. I'm congested. You can you can likely hear it. Um, but we're, we're pushing through. I say we start with stock up, right? I mean, the allergies have us a little down, so let's balance things out here. All right, cool. Um, you know what? I'll go first. No, no, Owen, I think last week I went first. So this week you go first. Who's your stock up team? Let's do it. My stock up team is, and I think if I'm not mistaken, that this is the only team we haven't featured yet in WNBA stocks. We've got a week, week four here. So, you know, we're making it all the way around. Um, my, uh, my stock up is the Indiana fever, a team I'm extremely excited to talk about this week. Uh, you know, arguably the biggest news in the, well, I'm not going to say arguably cause a lot is going on. There's a lot of, there's a lot happening in the W, but isn't that always the case? Uh, but one of the biggest stories of the past week since we last spoke was Marianne Stanley, head coach of the Indiana fever, no longer. Uh, currently replaced by interim Carlos Knox. Um, Stanley came in a few years ago, uh, began her her tenure with Indiana in the bubble. And it's been a weird, it's been a weird few years for Indiana. Like we all know they're kind of like the punching bag along with Dallas of the league. That There's more jokes made about the fever than anyone else over the last five seasons. They have the longest active playoff drought. But enough with the negatives because the vibes are too good um, with this team right now. And I think that kind of the last maybe piece of the puzzle to really start to turn things around and feel like, okay, we're ushering in a new era here was to make a coaching change. Um, This was a team that just really had an incredible draft. So Tamika Ketching, who's obviously legend, Hall of Famer, champion, was not the best general manager for this team. Uh, and that's putting it kindly. 
uh, Lynn Dunn came in this offseason and really had an incredible draft. I mean, I, I would say that Lexi Hall at, at six overall was like one of the biggest head scratchers for everyone. But, you know, and the jury's still out on that one. But you look at the rest of, of her selections. I mean, they they got four players who are real WNBA players, like starters, rotation players, really impactful players. To get four in the same draft when you're in a in a stage as a franchise where it just feels like you're treading water and and you know you're you're not winning games, but you also don't have you know enough youthful energy to come in and not just draft four players who are immediately making an impact. And the four players, by the way, Melissa Smith, second overall, who's been out uh, recently but just got healthy. Emily Engsler at four, who's been really incredible. I I, I was I tweeted out a stat the other day. Uh, that Engsler's among the the league leaders in total rebound percentage, like among Asia Wilson, Sylvia Fowles, John Quill Jones. I mean, it's truly remarkable how impressive she's been on the boards. Uh, they got Queen Egbo at 10, who's been awesome. One of my favorite players to watch this year. And then obviously they got the steal of the draft, the national champion, Destiny Henderson uh, at 20. So this is a team that just you know, added four players and that's, that's without mentioning Lexi who, you know, could start to get comfortable with more shots and, and, and start to, to deliver. So I just think that the vibes are really good. I I'm really intrigued to see what Carlos Knox brings to this club. I, I loved what I saw in his first game. Um, and, and this team is just kind of rolling right now. A few quick stats here. I know I'm rambling. Kelsey Mitchell shooting 43% from three point land. Uh, Victoria Vivians on almost five threes a game is at 36%, which isn't a knock your socks off number, but just for her to be healthy and, and hitting shots is huge. This is a team that was like, you know, had one of the lowest paces of play for years and years. They're second in the league in pace right now. So they're running up and down and it just fits with the whole ethos of this team right now, which is energy and kind of vibrant, vibrant youth all around, um, talking to the team when they, came into New York and won earlier in the season when Stanley was still the head coach, it was very evident how how good the vibes were. Everyone was just like, man, these are such fun young players. The vets were just so enthused by the energy that the rookies were bringing. And that stuff is really infectious. And it's huge for a team that's just been had such a bummer of the last you know handful of years. So Indiana does not have to be winning games. And I don't think they really want to be winning games for their stock to be up. They just have to have these these young guys playing and and playing a lot and getting reps, and that's what's happening right now, and it's it's really exciting to watch. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I, they're definitely a team that's that's found success, and it's not just decided by the win column, which I think is a is a huge change for this team. That, as you mentioned, I mean, I think you put it perfectly when you talked about <clears throat> excuse me how they were the laughing stock of this league, but that's no longer the case. They haven't gotten it completely turned around where they're, you know, winning every game. They've had some really close games, some tough games. I mean, they lost by five to the defending champions and they showed, you know, with Nelissa Smith back in this lineup, we saw that against the Sparks uh, when she was able to, to really put the team on her back at points in the game. Not only is this team growing culture wise, but they're making the right the right turn. They're turning the corner, as it were, um, in in the play also. Um, yeah. And I think a, a huge underrated aspect is Gary Kloppenberg joining the coaching staff midseason. Um, Klopp is somebody who is a proven winner throughout his history in this league. But also, I think 
it's important to bring in when you have a new coach, when you are kind of doing a reset mid season, it's not a full reset. Um, it's important to bring in voices, new voices that have been part of winning culture that can kind of aid you along in that process. So I, I mean, look, it's, it's a happy day if you're the Indiana fever, not just cause you beat the LA sparks. Um, but also because of how good of a game it was against, uh, the Chicago sky. But then also on top of that, I think the Indiana fever fa- fan base from the people I've spoken to and what I've seen online, um, very excited about the direction of this franchise. And I don't want to throw any shade, but let's just say they don't miss, uh, Marion Stanley no. right now. Let's talk about my up team, the Dallas wings, a team that is going to be fluctuating. I think throughout this season, we're going to see highs and lows. Um, you know, this team's one and one in their last two games and two and one in the last three. They beat the Lynx handedly. They showed why this team is a threat in this league, because right now Marina Mabry is just shooting crazy, right? Like the confidence is through the roof. She's playing as if she's been like a five time all star, been to the playoffs most of her career. That's just like, honestly, if you talk to me right now, the star of this team is her and not Arike. I mean, Arike has been having great games, but when Arike has been slowing down a little bit, it's been the other players stepping up. And I think what we're finally starting to see in this roster is, is kind of a, a cohesion with each other and understanding great teams have great players. Yes. And role players, but the key is more so understanding when it's your turn to step up. And we're going to talk about this on my down team. Some teams, when you're struggling, they don't have that ability. Like one player starts to struggle, then the next one, the next one, the next one. And it's just this downhill spiral. And what we're seeing with the Dallas Wings is that flow of a good team and almost maybe even a great team where when one player is struggling, somebody else steps up to the plate until that player, that superstar, Arike, uh, Satu, whoever it is, can, can get back in the rhythm and then normally, yeah, when when the the shot clock's ticking down, you go to the superstar. But right now, this team has so many superstars. No, I I think you completely nailed it. And and this is something I've been thinking a lot about early this season as well. It was something I was a little critical of uh, regarding Vicky Johnson's first year as head coach of the Wings, which was that they have so much young talent, kind of like we're talking about Indiana does this season. But for the last couple years, Dallas has just been gathering draft picks and stockpiling them and then just has all these players to the point where you've got you know Chelsea Dungey who's a, a top five pick who never even played and factored into their plans at all uh they just have so many players that something I was critical of 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 Johnson last year was you know that they don't really have a set rotation night to night they don't know who is going to be getting the minutes and I got to admit complete defeat on this one right now because I mean it's going in the complete opposite direction where Everyone is playing so hard for Vicky and she's just pushing all the right buttons in terms of knowing who they need to provide that spark at the given moment because they have so many capable players on this team. Um, Third in offensive rating right now, third best offense in the league. And I think Marina Mabry, as you mentioned, is the is has been by far the the most impactful offensive player right now. I mean, she's shooting over 52% from the field, which is just so impressive for a guard. Arike, who, you know, I think has has really made some strides so far this year. 
she's still shooting 37% from the field. That's still the biggest problem with her game is that she's a chucker and a lot of the shots aren't falling. With Marina, it's like she's taking these shots and she's hitting them. Uh, And then the other player I really want to mention that I think might be the most important player for this team and really has been for for the past few years, you could make a case it's Izzy Harrison. I love Izzy Harrison. But for me, it's Alicia Gray. Um, mm-hmm. The fact that this team is hanging around the middle of the pack in defensive rating, to me, is almost more impressive than them being near the top in offense. Uh, this team needs to grind on defense. They need to limit opponents getting to the rim, getting open threes, getting to the foul line. And Alicia Gray is a one-person wrecking crew. I mean, she is unbelievable. Her ability to block shots as a as a guard and not a particularly big one at that, uh, her speed, the way that she'll you know get deflections and kind of turn defense as cliche as it sounds into offensive opportunities and transition, and then of course she's a dynamic offensive player as well, can knock down threes, can get to the rim. She's just she's kind of holding this team together. So as much as Marina deserves all of the all of the credit. Um, and and so many other players on this team who are contributing. I think without Alicia Gray, you know, it's it's not feeling as good as it does right now for Dallas. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. I think everybody's really you know putting their putting. I don't even know what the term is. Everybody's putting in a little bit to make it a team effort. Um, there, there's a, there's some saying there. There's something whatever. <laughs> um, shameless plug this week. On Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, June 1st, June 2nd, and June 3rd, Winsider, the whole Winsider team, uh, we're going to be hosting Playback. It's basically watch party for the WNBA. Uh, it takes two seconds to download the Playback program or sign into the program. Um, the link is on our Twitter page, but if you want it, it is getplayback.com backslash room backslash Winsider. And we'll be doing the Minnesota Lynx Atlanta Dream Game at 7 p.m. on June 1st. The Connecticut Sun Las Vegas Aces game June 2nd at 10 p.m. Eastern for all the times. Uh, New York Liberty taking on the Washington Mystics June 3rd at at 7 p.m. And again, it's a little watch party. It's a really cool system. Um, Hop in for a few minutes. See if you enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, you can leave. Watch the game with the normal announcers. If not, hey, we're going to be having some cool guests. Maybe do some giveaways. Uh, It's going to be a fun time, and you should definitely join. Now let's move on to our down teams. I'm going to go first. It's my hometown team. They just retired the GOAT Simone Augustus' jersey. Shout out to Simone Augustus, uh, the greatest player of all time. Minnesota Lynx. They're losing, like, there's, and and I've put them on, uh, Stockwatch for a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about this before the episode. The thing, there's a few things, simple things that are frustrating me. On the player side, the thing that's frustrating me most, I would say, if if you're a Lynx fan, um, if you're looking at this team, is the fact that they're missing free throws. Free throws have continued to hurt this team. Their free throw percentage, I don't have it exactly right in front of me right now, but which is a shame because I should have, <laughs> but they're just not hitting free throws this game. And they've lost multiple games missing free throws. And it's kind of ridiculous when you like, when the links are playing their best ball, they're attacking the paint, especially with the way uh, Kayla McBride and Ariel powers have been playing this season. Their shot has not been dropping consistently. They've been attacking the basket a lot and getting to the free throw line. You have Sylvia Fowles, one of the greatest of all times getting to the free throw line, and they haven't been hitting them consistently, which I think has been a huge issue for this team. The other big issue is 
when teams struggle offensively, especially the Minnesota Lynx, who don't necessarily have that ability to go on like crazy hot streaks, so they drop, you know, they go on like a 16-0 run. It really needs to come from their defense. They need to batten down the hatch defensively. And then, like we were talking about, attack the paint, get to the line, get easy. Because look, what's the best thing you can do, Owen, if you're if you're a shooter and you haven't made a couple of shots? Get to the line, get some free throws, get your shot back in rhythm, and then start in the flow of the game. And I haven't seen that. The other big question I have for this team is, is the rotations. Um, we've seen Avina Westbrook start some games, but then play six minutes in another game. Uh, we've seen uh, Milic, who with a Chanwa out, and I believe they just, it's like unclear, uh, 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 I think it was the Mexican League announced that uh, Cunye was signing with the Lynx, but I haven't seen anything officially. Um, but if that's true, then they have one more big on their roster. But still, I mean, like the amount of minutes that we've seen for Milic, considering how in my mind she's been productive. Yes, she's getting some foul trouble. But it, if you're asking me like a backup center, or a backup four who you're trying to ease the load off Sill and Shepard, you can let them take a couple fouls. I mean, they got fouls to give. Yes, she plays a little bit overly physical. She's a little bit prone to get into foul trouble. But in my mind, like, that's not that big of a deal if you're playing her 12 minutes. If you're playing her in the next game, what was it, five minutes the next game after that? But she's still stuffing the stat sheet in a variety of ways. Um, I just think this team is going to be in a long, long haul. Until Dantas is back, uh, you can't expect Fee to get back. And it's just a question of, can this team find an offensive rhythm or find an identity on defense? Yeah, I think you nailed it from from all angles here. Uh, so I do have the free throw stats. Opponents shooting over 82% at the line against Minnesota. Minnesota shooting 76%. So it's not it's not disastrous. 76 is not is not horrendous. But... You know, getting out shot by six percent at the free throw line is is gonna is gonna have a cumulative effect, and I think where that's coming most from. You know, Kale has only played five games, shooting ninety two percent from the line, so she's not to blame for the free throws at all. But Sill, who can we just you know once again appreciate the greatest center to ever play, uh, averaging seventeen and ten, over three steals plus blocks per game, shooting 63% from the field. I mean, she's just timeless. She just is consistent. Can I throw out a stat for you about Syl that somebody told me? I haven't had the time to check it, so maybe I shouldn't throw it out there, but I'm just going to do it because I yeah. trust this person who said it to me. Supposedly, Syl hasn't had a game since 2018 where she had 10-plus free throws. Wow. That's since, since this last Sparks game. Wow. That is unbelievable. If if that is true. Now, keep in mind, she was out for most of the bubble season. So really, that's one less season. Um, and even if that isn't 100% accurate, I think it's accurate enough to the idea of she's not often getting those types of games, which is mind blowing considering the the way of, of the manner of her game, right? <laughs> and her status. And I think that says a lot if we can just do a quick little diversion here about how the game is called now, which is like for better or worse, and it's probably for worse, you got to sell the calls. And Sylvia Fowles, one of the reasons she's the GOAT in my mind is like, she just goes out there and plays basketball every night. She mm -hmm. is not, she's not putting on a performance for the refs trying to exaggerate contact anything. It's also part of the nature of her game that she'll just, you know, spot up or turn around from 
from 14 feet out and knock a knock a jumper in like it's nobody's business. But I think that's a really interesting thing. I'd love to kind of delve deeper into that to to try to you know identify. I'm feeding you. I'm feeding you article ideas. The other oh. thing I want to note when you brought up the free throw the free throw stats is just um, all but three of their losses. So I guess like what half of their losses <laughs> um, were six or less points. Right. So. That, and, and that's where it comes into where, yeah, you're shooting 70 some percent. It's not horrible. You know, you're not shooting 50 percent, but you easily probably had five to six points that you're you're leaving. You're leaving right. on the court. And and where I was going with the sill thing, too, is, you know, for as exceptional, she's been, you know, in all facets. And she's once again, advanced metrics have her as a top five, top 10 player in the league right now. Just, you know, usual stuff for her. She is shooting 63% from the line. So it's the one area of her game that has not been up to par with where it usually is at. Um, so I, I think you you really nailed it. I don't, I don't have much more to add other than the fact that, you know, this is one of those examples of a team that's just biding its time until they get, you know, Nafisa back and Demiris Dantas back, who we were talking about before the pod. Dantas is someone who really unlocks so much flexibility for Cheryl Reeve from a lineup perspective where you have a player who can play the five and knock down threes. You're not really sacrificing anything defensively or on the glass. She can also play the four alongside Sill um, and, and dominate in bigger lineups. So I think that, that, you know, there've been enough bright spots, Kayla coming back, uh, Jessica Shepard playing, playing pretty well that, that you have to not be all doom and gloom with this team. But obviously right now it's just been a really frustrating start to the season and and the stock is definitely down from where it usually is. Talk to me about your down stock. Okay, so this is a bit controversial here and and it really is only one reason. Number one, like there's a lot of positivity in terms of just these teams right now, where the rosters are at. Obviously, we've got, you know, the Liz Cambage situation, which is its own podcast. Not gonna touch that one right now. Uh we've got some other things going on. Um as always, every week, free BG, bring BG home. Uh, the most important thing, uh, way more important than the basketball. But with my stock down team uh, this week, it's actually the team that's first in net rating right now. Second in offense, second in defense. And it was the team that you had as uh, their stock going up last week, which is the Connecticut Sun. And the only reason that I'm going to be be a little gloomy about the sun sun uh, this week. Uh, see if you see what I did there. Is Jasmine, <laughs> Jasmine Thomas is out for the year. You lose your starting point guard. You lose, you know, one of the, let's say, top four, top five. Can we say that comfortably? Point guards in the league. Like one of the top tier point guards. She's not. I mean, she, she's in the top half of the league. I'm fine with that. Exactly. She's not elite, but she's solid, really solid player. When you lose your point guard, the one who has been on this team for a long time and who everyone is really comfortable with from a chemistry standpoint, uh, it's only inevitable that the stock is going to dip a little bit. It doesn't mean that this team isn't still a title contender. It doesn't mean they still can't win the title. They absolutely can. We're seeing it right now. Uh, they have the best you know, net rating in the entire league. But I have some serious concerns about the sustainability of what this roster is doing once they start to play number one, better teams, we're seeing them get two in the next three days against Las Vegas. That's going to be extremely telling. And then number two here, the the playoffs are a different game and you need your backcourt to generate offense. And we've seen this kind of be the downfall of the sun uh, in the playoffs, especially last year, 
which was that they have an overwhelming amount of talent, but the the vast majority of that talent plays in the front court. And, you know, you have you have this kind of push and pull between Alyssa Thomas and John Quell Jones on the offensive end, your two best players, where it seems like it's tough to get them going at the same time. And and your point guard plays a, a really big role in that. You have to set everyone up, you have to seek your own offense. Jasmine Thomas is is a great perimeter defender. That might be where they miss her most. So I think in some ways, you know, having Natisha Heidemann slide into the to the starting lineup could give them a little bit of a boost shooting wise. Heidemann's more aggressive offensively, but defensively they're sacrificing a lot. And ultimately, Courtney Williams is going to be shouldering a massive burden in terms of shot creation on the perimeter in the playoffs. And I just don't know how far you can make it with with the guard rotation they currently have. So that that is why the stock is currently down. It's not down in the in the in the sense of how they're playing currently, but looking forward, you know, you have a huge injury. One of your your starting five goes out for the season. It's it's going to be tough to work through, and uh, that's what I'm monitoring monitoring going forward. Look, you you have the sun setting. I got the sun rising. I I was very close. I had to do it. Uh, I was I was very close to uh, actually having the sun as one of my or as my uh, up team this week. And honestly, it's it's purely because of. Look, I'm not going to say addition by subtraction here, but realistically, Jasmine Thomas. We look at the history of her playoff career. She gets one game where she goes off, you know, 20 some, maybe 30 points uh, has a a real, you know, and really helps the team win that game, maybe that series. Um, And maybe that's even a stretch. But past that, she has historically been cold in the playoffs. Um, Even before she got injured, I was starting to already question, should Heidemann be stepping in as the starter to add that? you know, dive attack, but yet three point threat. She just has a little bit more pep to her step, a little bit more, you know, bounce to her, her walk or whatever. Um, And I think that's kind of what's missing from this. And I agree with you. The, the rotation now is what concerns me. Um, Who comes in after Heidemann takes a break, a breather, whatever it is Um, that that's what the question is more for me, because obviously in an ideal world, I would prefer to have Jasmine Thomas coming in off the bench uh, to, to replace Heidemann versus whoever they're going to end up having to fill that role. Um, so I think while I hear what you're saying, I think at the end of the day, yes, Heidemann's a little bit of a step down on defense from Jasmine Thomas, but look at who else is on this roster. Look who else is playing with this team. Um, you have that security blanket of Alyssa Thomas, of John Quill Jones, um, of Bree Jones. So in my mind, at least, yeah, I still have the same question. Like, at least in my mind, yeah, it sucks that she's injured and I feel horrible for her in that sense. And like the Connecticut Sun have been trying to get the starting five together for how many years and they finally got it. And of course, you know, God had to wag his finger at them in a horrible, horrible way. Um, But I think at the end of the day, like I'd rather out of all the players that of their starting five, you know, like they have their bigs, you know what I mean? And and by that, I mean, they have Bonner, Thomas and John Quell. And that's the big three that they wanted, that they viewed as the key to getting them finally that WNBA finals victory. So in my mind, like I, yeah, I just can't put them as a down team yet. Um, but all respect to you, even though you're wrong. Um, <laughs> uh, Stockwatch, 
I'm I'm going first on Stockwatch, so you can't steal my team. Do it. Stock Stockwatch Chicago Sky. Not not the powerful, you know, high octane start to the season that historically, and I know people are gonna go, didn't they start like two and eight one year? Yeah, like, but if you pay attention to James Wade since he's become the head coach of Chicago, they've always started like the first three games really, really well, gone into a little bit of a lull. And then really pushed off uh, right when you hit like almost the the midway point of the season. Um, they just got Clea Copperback, who's now learning how to play with Emma Mieseman. She, you know, uh, Quigley and Sloot play with Mieseman overseas or played with Mieseman overseas for years. So there is that that vibe together. They, they know how to flow together. Um, obviously, Candace Parker doesn't and is learning how to work that in. Ezra Stevens is playing great. But when you bring back Clea Copper, maybe the, the most important player on this roster right now, um, you know that there's going to be some growth pains, but I'm excited to see where they go from here. Uh, it was it was a tough loss to the Aces the other night or other day. Um, but yeah, I just think if you pay attention to this team, they're going to be uh, going up soon. Otherwise, if they don't start going up soon, um, yeah, I mean, as Candace Parker was quoted saying, like, they sucked last year. They stunk, sorry, last year during the regular season. And you can't expect them to make another playoff run like that. Yeah, and and I think that, that that's astute analysis. And I think at the same time, to, to the point you were making, James Wade has been there and done that already. And he understands more than, than almost anyone in this league that the playoffs are what matter. Peaking at the right time is what matters. Staying healthy is what matters. And he's not going to chase regular season wins at the expense of being fresh and ready for the playoffs. So I, I would not be concerned at all if I was Chicago. I'd feel great. Thought it was amusing him being a little, little shady in the post game. You know, when when a reporter asked uh, or, or you know said that the Aces were the best team in the league right now, he said, "I'll remember that. Uh, <laughs> the Aces are the best team in the league right now. Let's be clear." But you know, Chicago, Chicago has done nothing to make me uh, to make me think otherwise that they're not going to be there at the end of the playoffs. So I I can't wait to continue watching them and see how how that chemistry develops. Stockwatch over on this side. I'm keeping it topical. Who else am I going with? It's the Las Vegas Aces, best team in the league. They're playing the Connecticut Sun tonight, Tuesday night. They're playing the Connecticut Sun on Thursday night. They just beat the sky on Saturday. So this is what we've been waiting for. You know, it's 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 been exciting watching them, you know, trounce some of the the teams in the bottom half of the league. But what we really want to see is is how this system uh is able to to stand up against the best of the best, and especially a team like Connecticut with so much talent and so much size in the front court. Can this ultimate small ball lineup with Asia at the five, Dierica Hamby at the four, and then Chelsea Gray, Jackie Young, and Kelsey Plum, you know, are they going to win out against the, the, the towers inside for Connecticut? That's, that's what I'm watching for. And, and, you know, as we've been recording this podcast, I got the, uh, the email from WNBA PR that our players of the week, week three, and this just goes right in keeping with this podcast, Asia Wilson for the aces, Western Conference Player of the Week. That means that the Aces have won all three Western Conference Player of the Weeks this season. Asia with two, Jackie Young with one. And then the one I was really excited to see, my stock up team, Kelsey Mitchell, Eastern Conference Player of the Week. 23 and a half points, two steals per game. Love to see it. 
I love to see that also. The one thing I will note, though, is I hate that it's still Eastern Western Conference. I, I, I just have no idea why they do that. And I think currently fine. It, like it, we haven't had any egregious ones yet. But and, th- and this is a, a sticky point for me because I just feel that these awards are the legacy of these players, right? When they retire, we're going to look down their list. Did they set the record for the most uh, player of the weeks? Blah, 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 whatever it is. And if we're going to punish players because they're of a conference and we don't even do things conference-based anymore, I, I just, I don't know. Maybe you'd feel differently. Yeah, it doesn't bug me a ton. I, I hear what you're saying 100%. I don't think that when it's all said and done, I'm going to be looking back at Sylvia Fowler's career or Candace Parker's career and saying, well, they won 13 player of the weeks. That really says it all. You know, it's like, it's, I think it's a fun thing in the moment. I think it's an easy way to, to divide up the league. Um, you know, it, it doesn't bug me. I totally get what you're saying. Like we're past the point where conferences really matter at all. Uh, and I truly love the playoff format. It's the, one of the best things about the WNBA is, is that, you know, the conferences don't matter in the playoffs. Um, but I think for, for player of the week, it doesn't bug me. I like it. And it's fun. You know, if, uh, if Kelsey Mitchell was going up against, you know, the aces in the Western conference, she might not be able to get that player of the week. She deserves it. So I, yeah, I'm fine with it. All right. Well, that's all we got for this episode. We'll be back next week with WNBA stocks.